Today we are again in our series called The Rebellion. The Rebellion. The title of my message for you is Second Chances. If you haven't been here with us, if you haven't been able to be here the last couple of weeks, we want to make sure we're all up to speed on what's happening in Jonah's life and his story. This series is all about his life. Jonah was a runner. God called him, had a calling on his life, and Jonah ran. God said, Jonah, I want you to go this direction. And Jonah said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go in this direction. He was living in rebellion. And in his rebellion, he was, again, running from God. He was on a boat heading across the sea, trying to get as far away from what God had called him to do as possible. And the Bible says that God sent a storm. Jonah was in rebellion, and God sent a storm. And they realized, Jonah and the sailors realized, this storm is because of Jonah. This is because of his rebellion. And, and Jonah said, hey, if, for you guys to save yourselves, you got to get rid of me. And so they threw Jonah over the side of the boat. But God sent a fish to come and swallow Jonah to save him from drowning. And so here's what we've been learning in Jonah's story. Is that we can make the decision to rebel against God. We can run from God. But what we're learning is that you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. Wherever you go, he is going to follow you. You can abandon God, but God will not abandon you. And God will allow us to experience storms. He will allow us to go through difficult things sometimes to shake us and help us realize that this is what rebellion is bringing us in our lives. But what we know, what we're learning is that God is not trying to pay us back for our rebellion. He's not trying to make us pay because we rebelled. He's trying to bring us back from our rebellion. Not trying to pay us for it. He's trying to bring us back from it. And where we pick up in the story today in Jonah's life is he has been on the boat, gone through the storm, been thrown overboard, swallowed by the fish, and now he's back up on dry land. And the Bible says this, what we're going to focus on in Jonah's story today, in Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 1, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah in the beginning of the story, and Jonah ran in the other direction. He rebelled against God. But now he's surrendered himself back to God. He's called out to God for, for help. God has rescued him from that storm and from his rebellion. And now the word of the Lord is coming to Jonah a second time. Today is all about second chances. Uh, the, who doesn't love second chances, right? I mean, everybody loves a second chance. There's a lot of moments in our lives where I think a lot of us would like to have some second chances, some decisions we've made, some things we've done, some things we said that it's like, wow, if I could, if I could do that one over, you know, I would do that a little bit differently in all kinds of areas of our lives. There are lots of situations where it's like, wow, if I could do that again, I, I would have done it differently. I, even little things, just things that we've said, you know, like the, the, time you said to the woman and asked her when her baby was due but she wasn't with child and you're like what if I could just get that back you know if I could just if I could do that I'm just a second you know chance there there's some haircuts I've gotten that was like whoa 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 man I said a trim you know it's like if I could do that over I would be a little more specific about what I was looking for you know what I'm saying like maybe your computer crashed on that document you've been working on overnight or for hours and it's like oh my word you just lost all if I could do that over I would have saved that numerous times while I was working maybe it's a place that you went to eat you made the decision you went to the all-you-can-eat burrito joint 
Then you slept the night on the couch in a toxic cloud of your own indigestion. You know, and if, if, if you could do that over, you just do it different. Maybe you're up late one night, you get mesmerized by an infomercial, you know, and next thing you know, you're making seven not so easy payments of $42.99 for that set of knives. And it's like, man, if I could just, if I could just do that over, I could just have a second chance. God came to Jonah and he messed up the first chance. God called Jonah and Jonah rebelled with his first chance. But God came to Jonah again, Jonah 3.1, a second time. God is the God of second chances. And I want us to experience the best of what God has for us in our second chances. I, I want us to live out all of what God has for us in our lives, in our second chances that he's giving us. So today, I want to share three things with you that I believe we need to understand to succeed in our second chance, to live out God's best in the second chances that he's given us. Number one is this. They require a plan to move forward. We have to understand about second chances that they require a plan to move forward. We need to ask the question, in other words, how will I do things differently this time? How will I live my life differently? We just can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. When God gives us a second chance, we've got to develop a new direction for our lives we've got to do it a different way we've got to follow a different path like jonah he god called him and and god said i want you to go this way and jonah said no i'm going to go this way but when god gives us a second chance we've got to allow god to be the leader we've got to allow god to direct us down the path that he wants us to go so we can experience all of what god has for us in our lives it's uh, it's kind of like this when i was a kid uh I loved to swim. I spent a lot of time in the pool. When we would go on vacations, I would just, I'd be at the pool. If anybody needs me, you know, I'm just going to be hanging out at the pool. Kind of made it easy for my parents. All they had to do was find a place with a pool. I remember one vacation really, really vividly. We were there and I was dying to get to the pool. My parents said I could go and they said, hey, put some shoes on. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what do I need shoes for? I'm going to the pool. I'm going to just take them back off again. So I, I leave the room and I'm barefoot and I run down the stairs and I don't know who did it, but somebody had laid out at this place we were staying they had sidewalks that led to the pool there were signs directing to the pool the problem was taking the sidewalks that had been laid out was not the shortest way to the pool and i was a kid i was excited to get there so i decided i'm not going to take their sidewalk that they did i'm going to do it my way i'm going to make my own path and so i run down the stairs barefoot i don't go left on the sidewalk i go straight out into the field because it's going to be a whole lot shorter to get to the pool i'm running though i can't stop i take one step, two, three, four, five, and then I'm falling onto the ground. How many of you have ever heard of a sweet gum tree? Anybody know what that is? That's the one that drops those little round spiky things of death onto the ground. And I didn't know. I was in a hurry. I wasn't paying attention. They were all over the place. They were in the grass. I couldn't see them. And, and I'm laying there. My feet are bleeding. I'm screaming. I'm crying. And it happened all because I wanted to do it my way. Spiritually speaking, the problem for many people is they don't want to take the sidewalks. God has laid out a path for us. He's put signs there to direct us, but we want to do it our way. We want to make our own path. 
There was a great, great prophet in the Old Testament named Jeremiah who came to an incredible understanding at some point in his journey. And he shared this with us in Jeremiah chapter number 10, verse 23. I think this will help us. He said, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. He came to a moment where he just confessed it to God. God, I'm not able to plan my own course. And today, I really believe that if we're going to have a plan to move forward, we have to develop a new direction. And that means we have to let God be in charge of that new direction. We have to allow God to be the one in charge and allow him to lead us. We have to come to a place where we say, God, I'm not able to direct my path. And allow the Lord to lead us in the paths of our lives and our relationships and our marriages. Lead us down the path to, to find the right person to be our future spouse. To lead us down the right path of reconciliation, of healing and mending and maybe some broken relationships we have in our lives. To allow the Lord to heal us and take us down the right road in life. But if we're going to experience God's direction and if God's going to take us down the right path instead of the path of rebellion, then we're going to have to begin to seek God for His wisdom. We're going to have to develop a prayer life. Because we're going to have to be in consistent, uh, constant communication and connection with God. If God is going to lead us, we've got to seek God for His direction. If we're going to, spiritually speaking, stay on the sidewalks that God has put there for us, that He's made for us, if, if we're going to take His path, we've got to have His wisdom. And that means we've got to pray. We've got to call out on God. Jonah had to develop a prayer life. I mean, when, when, when Jonah realized this storm is because of me... The only thing they can do to save their lives is throw me overboard. You better believe Jonah developed a prayer life pretty quickly. When they threw him over the boat, he was praying. You know, when he hit the water, he was praying. When he was sinking in the water, he was praying. I mean, the Jonah had to develop a prayer life, and he did that. Jonah called out on God in desperation. And we need that kind of prayer life too. A prayer life where we are desperately seeking, God, I need you to direct me. I'm not able to plan my own course. God, I've tried that before. That did not end well. God, I want you to be in charge. I want your direction. The Bible says this, Colossians 2 and verse 4 says, devote yourselves to prayer. Romans 12 and 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. Again, I think Jonah got really good at that really, really fast. Pray without ceasing. We constantly need God's wisdom to follow God's direction. Prayer is, is a huge part of, of the life of a Christian. And, and the truth is, if we're not praying consistently, if we aren't constantly connecting with the Lord, then we're going to be trying to do it on our own. And I just want to hang out here for a moment and look at how prayer affects our lives. I think this is really important for us to understand. Jonah started crying out to God. He was calling out on the Lord. But I want us to see everything in Jonah's life didn't change immediately. He was calling out on God. Everything that was happening, all of his surroundings and his circumstances didn't just become perfect overnight. Everything that was going on in his life didn't change. He was praying. He was calling out on God. But everything didn't change immediately. He got thrown overboard. He was praying. He, was, he got swallowed by the waves. He's still praying. He, he, he got swallowed by the fish. At first, I doubt Jonah understood that that fish was from God to save him. You know what I'm saying? It probably took him a while to figure out, okay, I'm all right, I'm all right. 
He kept crying out to God. And things began to change, but things didn't become perfect all at once. If you look at what happens next in Jonah's life, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says this, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. I'm just saying you got to be going through a pretty rough patch in life for laying out on the shore covered in fish vomit be, to be good news. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to be going through something difficult to be covered in fish vomit and be praising God. I'm just saying that whoever was hanging out on the beach who walked up and saw Jonah worshiping God covered in fish vomit had to be like, what is going on in this guy's life? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he was going through a difficult thing. Everything didn't become perfect all at once in his life. What I want us to understand is this, is that often we go to God in prayer and we pray, God, change my circumstances. And that's good because God wants to do that. But often God understands something that we're slow to understand. And that's that if God is going to change our circumstances, he has to change us first. Let me put it this way. There was a time in my life, a, a season in my life where I had really, really bad spending habits. I was overspending, got myself into a lot of debt. I was really stressed out. I was kind of a, in, a, in a panic moment, had high blood pressure. There was one night where, you know, my heart's just beating so hard in my chest. I thought, I mean, I'm going to have a heart attack. I just went to the emergency room and I sat in the waiting room for like 90 minutes. And I was like, well, if I was going to die, it already would have happened. So I just left. But But I was stressed out. I cried out to God in desperation. I'm like, God, I can't handle the weight of this debt. I'm in a horrible financial position. I was praying, God, help me. And God understood something at that point that I had yet to learn. Is that God wanted to help me with that. God was willing to help me with that. But first, God had to help me to change. Because God couldn't deliver me from my circumstances of debt unless my heart changed first. Unless my desires for those material possessions changed, God was not going to be able to help me. God desires to help us, but often we're the first thing that needs to change. What I'm saying is there's a lot of times where people are praying, God, fix my marriage. And what they really mean is, God, fix my spouse. <laughs> they want change, but they don't want it to begin with them. And I want us to understand that to receive God's direction in our lives, we got to develop a prayer life. We have to seek God. And as we begin to pray and we begin to seek God and we turn our lives over to God and we pray for God's help, He will help us. But often, often that change is going to start with us. And what will change first is God will change our hearts and then He will use us to help change our circumstances and what's going on around us. We need to consistently turn our lives over to the Lord and seek His wisdom to follow his direction down the right path so that we can experience God's best with the second chance that he's given us. God has amazing things in store for our lives, but to experience that life, to experience God's best in our second chance, we got to allow God to be in charge. We got to do a, develop a plan to move forward and let God be the leader and seek the Lord in prayer. And God will send his blessings on our lives in incredible ways. I want you to experience all of what God has for your life. Number one, they require a plan to move forward. Number two, the second thing we need to understand about second chances is they are a process, not a moment. They are a process, not a moment. Like with Jonah... His second chance began with a moment of surrender to God. There was that moment where he cried out to the Lord. It was a moment of surrender. But what I want us to understand is that surrendering to God is not a one-time event. Surrendering to God is a lifestyle. 
surrendering to the Lord is a lifestyle. If we view surrendering to God like it's just a moment, it would be something like a, a rookie in the NFL who just shows up to his first practice and he goes to that one practice and then he never goes to another practice again. He's the rookie, never played before. He goes to one practice, skips all the rest of them and then shows up on opening day, on game day. You know, he's carrying around his helmet. He's like, hey coach, where do you want me? And coach is like, how about the bench? You know, how about that? How about you get me a Gatorade, man? Because you're not ready to play. You came to one practice, you skipped all the rest of them and now you want to play. Spiritually speaking, it works the same way. I can't surrender my life to God once in my spiritual journey and then act like I'm ready to play the game. Because surrender is not a moment. It isn't a one-time event. Surrendering our lives to God is a lifestyle. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 23. Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways Take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus understood something right there that he's trying to communicate to us today as his followers. Jesus is saying, in order for you to live for me, you got to die to your selfish ways every single day. That selfishness inside of us, those desires inside of us have to die every single day. Day. I want us to experience the best of what God has for our lives and the second chances that we're receiving from God. But to do that, we have to make surrendering to the Lord a lifestyle. And we have to do that simply because life happens. What do you mean by that? What, what does it mean life happens? What I mean is this, that with each new day that God gives us, we receive the opportunity to do the right thing or the wrong thing in a lot of areas of our lives. A lot of things happen with each new day that God gives us. And how we respond to those things, we have the chance and the choice to do the right thing and to do the wrong thing. Life happens. And if we aren't daily surrendering to God, we aren't daily going to be ready to respond what happens in our lives. And there's a lot we can do to control what happens around us. There are places we can avoid. There are groups of people we can not hang out with and not spend our time with because we know they're going to take us down a rebellious path. And like there are things we can do. We can't control everything though. We can't control what everybody says. How many of you would like the ability though to control what other people say sometimes? Just every once in a while, you know, people just, you know, they just run in their mouth and you just wish you could just... But you can't control that. You can't control what people say. And sometimes it's aggravating. You know, when, when the, a, a lady comes up and she notices your haircut. And then she says something like, maybe you should try my stylist next time. And you're like, what? It takes everything you got inside of you not to just reach over there and just rip her hair off. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, but to control, you can't control what she said. But if we surrender to the Lord, then God can help us control what goes on inside. We can't always control what goes on outside. But if we continually daily surrender to God, he can help us control what goes on inside. The Bible says this, Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse 1, therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There is sin that easily entangles us. 
And that sin might be different for you than, than it is for me. It's different for all of us. But there are things that can easily entangle us. There are things that can bind us. And the only way to get free and stay free from the sins of this world that can so easily entangle us is to consistently turn our lives over to the Lord and die to ourselves, to our selfishness and our desires for those kinds of sins. We have to die to those things to the Lord every single day. Because a second chance is a process, not a moment. But I want us to see this. I want us to see this. Philippians chapter number one and verse number six. It is a process, but listen to this. The Bible says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. God is faithful to finish what he started, what God has begun in you at the beginning of your second chance. He is faithful to bring to completion as we continually turn our lives over to him every single day. Experience God's best for your life. In your second chance, make the most of it. Experience all that God has for you. Give him your life. Understand that our second chances are a process, not a moment. They require a plan to move forward. They're a process, not a moment. And number three, the third thing I want to share with you is this. They can be given to others. They can be given to others. There's an organization called People of the Second Chance. It's an organization that was uh, founded by a pastor named Judd Wilhite in Las Vegas, a good friend of Pastor Herbert's. In fact, just last month in February, Pastor Herbert was there speaking at his church. And they have this organization, People of the Second Chance. I want to read something to you that is both poetic and powerful from their website, People of the Second Chance. It asks this question, so what is so special about a second chance? Everything. A second chance is the most powerful thing you can extend to another person. It amplifies love, it restores hope, it redeems value. It rises above the tides of judgment. It breaks free the chains of repression. It takes a person from being devalued because of their actions to being valued because they are a person. A second chance is grace in action. A second chance is the story changer. It takes someone from there to here, from unseen to seen, forgotten to remembered, lost to found, drowning to swimming, abandoned to rescued. How do I know this? Because my story was radically changed by grace. Not because I am a great person or a person who has earned my way, but because I am a product of grace. I am a second chance with skin on. We are all walking second chances or to say it the way that jesus did in matthew chapter 10 verse 8 he said it in six words freely you have received freely give often the most difficult thing we can do even though it's the greatest thing we can do with our second chance is to extend it to somebody else because the only reason anybody needs a second chance is because they messed up the first one jonah messed up his his first chance, God gave him a second one, even though he didn't deserve it. I messed up my first chance. God gave me a second one, even though I did not deserve it. You have messed up your first chance, but God is willing to give us a second chance, even though we do not deserve it. And God is calling us to extend second chances to other people. Here's what I want us to understand. That God gives us second chances, not because he has to, but because he wants to. 
Not because he has to, because he wants to. Why does that matter, though? Why does it matter what God's motives are? Listen to the scriptures. John chapter 3, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but then in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to give the whole world a second chance. He really is the God of second chances. But why does it matter why God does it? Why does it matter that he does it because he wants to and not because he has to? Well, let me put it this way. My wife is a great blessing from the Lord. I love my wife. She's my baby. Let's say on the way home one day, I buy her some flowers and some chocolates. It's not even Valentine's Day. It's that amazing. This is my story. I get to be amazing in my story. When you tell your story, you be amazing, all right? And I get home and I give her the flowers and the, and the chocolates and what, what's going to happen? I mean, she's just so thankful. She's thanking me over and over again. This is so wonderful. This is so amazing. You're the best. Let's say I look back at her stone cold. No smile. No twinkle in the eye. Nothing. And I just say, well, I had to. I didn't really want to. But I had to. What's going to happen? That joy that she's experiencing is going to die. Right there. The flowers would die. You know, they just, because it's just, it's over. It's over. I did the right thing, but for wrong reasons. And I'm going to have all night on the couch to think over my actions. Amen. Which, by the way, still smells from that all-you-can-eat burrito mistake that I made. But anyway, I want us to understand God gives us second chances because he wants to. Because he loves us. Why does that matter? Because it brings us to a place of extreme gratitude. Because God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. God has given us what we do not deserve and what we never could have earned. And as we live a life of worship to the Lord, consistently expressing to God how grateful we are for what he's done for us that we didn't deserve, that goes a long, long way in creating a heart within us that is willing to give somebody else a second chance, especially when they do not deserve it. We have to consistently worship the Lord in our lives from that gratitude, and God will help us to be people who will give second chances. Maybe you're here today and you're still running from God. Maybe you're in a full-out sprint in the other direction, down that same path as Jonah, the rebellion path. And I want you to know today that God is here to give you a second chance, not because he has to, because he wants to. Earlier, I told the story of when I tried to get to the pool following my own path and laid there in the ground screaming and crying, and my dad wasn't that far behind me, and he heard me crying and yelling, and my dad came out onto the grass, and uh, he had shoes on, (laughs) a little smarter than I was, and my daddy picked me up, and he carried me over to the sidewalk, sat me down. Pulled those little things out of my feet that Satan had put there in the grass and <laughs> wiped my tears, cleaned me up, and helped me get to the pool. Still let me go swimming. Tried to do it my way, tried to do my own thing. Dad picked me up, helped me on, got me to the pool. I love my dad. He's not perfect, he's a good dad. And at that moment, my dad was an incredible example of my God. I want you to know today that your heavenly father is here to do the same thing for you that my dad did for me. That he is here to pick you up. That he will come meet you right where you are today. He's just waiting to hear your cry for help. He will pick you up. He will clean you off. He will still let you go swimming. 
He will give you a second chance. Jonah did the wrong thing with his first chance, but the word of the Lord came to him a second time. And God is here to come to you to give you a second chance today. Cry out to him for help and he'll get you on the right path because this is a day of second chances.